focusing on an emerging generation of kings. Let's look at the book of Luke. <laughs> Chapter 7 from verse 36. Please follow as I read. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, that is Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, the city who was a sinner, <laughs> her reputation was so clear, like she was a sinner. Like you were going to ask, oh, I'm looking for this woman. I said, is it that sinner? Logo. Right? She wore the badge of sin. She was a sinner. And the word says, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil that she had bought with what kind of money? Mm. Mm. Am I preaching already? Because some of us are even struggling to deal with the sinner. Talk less of the money she made from sin. But when God loves you, his love neutralizes the infirmities, the weaknesses, the imperfections surrounding your trajectory and your journey. He does not condone the sin, but he consumes the sin by embracing you, your identity, your entirety. That's why it's called the consuming fire. And many people just see the consuming fire as the God who consumes the sinner. But God consumes the sin. Oh, come on, somebody. Simple thing, God is consuming fire to kill all your enemies. Fall down and die. It's consuming fire who purifies your soul, your heart, your mind. It says, when she knew Jesus was there, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet. Behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet. Uh -uh. Aren't you pushing your luck right about now? Oh, come on somebody. Picture it in your mind. Stood by him. Then stood behind him then his feet and then to wash his feet ah! with tears <laughs> in other words what's wrong with this one don't you know the legs of the person you are washing like you're, you're, you're pushing the envelope now. In fact, you're not, it's not just the envelope you're pushing. You're pushing the entire stationery store. <laughs> With tears. Now, think about how many tears you have to shed for it to be enough to wash somebody's feet. But when somebody saw her doing that, Ben said, oh, now wash. Somebody didn't get that. Next year, you know, we open Kings in Canada or something. 
wash began she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them she's extra with the hair of her head and then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil now when the pharisee the far i see in the wrong direction the pharisee pharisee who had invited him saw this he spoke to himself saying this man if he were a prophet he would know who who and what manner of woman i'm a wobe that's pop cultural word for street girl know that this lady on friday night was doing shady balabala Evin, if he was a real prophet, know that she has some anaconda vibes. Know that she's one of the peaches in Georgia, so don't judge her here. If he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is doing what? Kaya Balahasa. Very scandalous thing. So there's a woman touching Jesus. Because the love of God is humble enough to be touched by anybody. This, this text is so deep and so profound that even those who understand grace will still have a problem with this woman. Because she's so extreme. She's thoroughly uncouth. She breaks all the protocols of fine dining because somehow it's, she used to think I'm the meal. to think so said if this if you knew you will know that she is a sinner and Jesus answered and said where did this man speak this man spoke to himself most likely in his heart but love hears your unspoken meditations because Jesus answered and said to him Simon I have something to say to you <laughs> so I got word for you, you got mail now so he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he gave or forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
<laughs> Turn to the woman. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are how many? Her sins which are? Her sins which are? Many. OPG, OPP. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. Why? For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table <laughs> with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. How should you go? Please help me stand out of your seat. I know we've been jumping and stomping and all that all morning long. But if you can afford to look for seven people, you don't have to hug them or shake them. You can nudge them or give them an, your elbow contact and tell them, I am loved by God. 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 Who? Father, flood this house with the revelation of your love. Immerse us, subdue us, saturate us with the reality of that love until we are transformed eternally. In Jesus' name we have prayed. One of the things that catches the attention of almost every human being is love. So you notice ever so often, here you are in a 21st century social media land, you post a picture about your computer or your phone or your gadget or something, and then here you are with six to seven likes after two weeks. And then you post a ring and just say no caption, no words. Right. <laughs> and Zuzu, folks are celebrating your engagement grace. They do not know that that ring is just uh, something you bought from the roadside at Yaba for yourself, just a fashion ring. But because it's attributed to love or their concept about love, there is excitement. So there is something exciting about love. Somebody who's a, a wise person, wise counselor, your, your pastor, or your team leader, your teacher, communicator, and then the person calls you, oh, you're quite excited, you know, um, but the conversation lasts for maybe two minutes. But there is this guy that you are loving in your heart, but he doesn't know you have such loving thoughts concerning him. He does not know the thoughts that you have towards him. Thoughts. <laughs> Thoughts of good and not of evil to bring him to unexpected. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know that. But you know it inside your heart. You know the thoughts. You are intimate with his thoughts. Before he was formed, you knew him. Right? Right? right. Or before he was informed, 
of your great love that you are rich in mercy towards him. Even your, your name was not grace or peace. You brought him greetings of grace and peace. Right? Before all of that, you, you, he calls you on the phone. In fact, he, he flashes you. But then he, you pick up the call. It's supposed to be a flash, but you're so quick. You're, you're so expectant. You're like, I'll seize this moment. Don't pass me by. You pick the call real quick. Hello, hello, babe. They call. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Journey. Say, Funke, how are you doing now? Um, Say, I'm fine. Well, I'm happy you called me. Sorry, I just flashed you. That was a mistake. It wasn't you. That's the, that's the worst one. But imagine the excitement already just talking about love. People are already excited talking about love. Or in another case, it's actually you they meant to call. And you have told your friend or your team member, your teammate earlier, I'm so tired, I'm going to sleep. But then Johnny calls you. <laughs> and then you say, Johnny, just come. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't get that. Right. <laughs> He calls, he calls you, and then I can see you're smiling so big, even though you have a mask on you, but, but I appreciate the smile, that's good, right? So he calls you, and all of a sudden, you cannot understand how you have so much energy. You had a long day, but energon. It's pumping right now. Your adrenaline is sky high. You could win the gold medal at the Adrenaline Olympics. <laughs> oh my God, you're not in Tokyo, but there's love in Tokyo now. Oh, can I talk right now? The excitement about love. Why? Because man was designed from love and made for love. You were wired for love. You were created for love. This is the reason sometimes you can feel love in the atmosphere. That's why some of you stayed in Kings. Oh yeah, because the first time you came, you were like, this pastor shouts too much, or he talks too fast, or his English is too sophisticated and too suave, or he laughs too much. How can he not be serious for 15 minutes? Just, just don't laugh for 15 minutes. Some of you have those problems with that, but you kept on coming because you could feel the love, the organic attention, the authenticity, and guess what? Three weeks later, you were the person making your neighbor laugh, and five weeks later, you are the person who coming out of your shell who knows what I'm talking about because love is going to suck you in and transform you into its own likeness come on are you hearing what I'm saying right now atmospheres can configure you atmospheres can disfigure you and atmospheres can reconfigure you somebody shout I was made for love the very first thing you got to realize that you were made in love you were made in love. God did not create you to punish you. He created you because he had so much love, he needed to express it. Oh, come on. It's still plenty. Scientists and uh, 
people who study history, they claim that over a hundred billion human lives have walked the face of the earth. A hundred billion. And the words in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So he's been loving since eternity. Come on. God has eternal experience in loving. He can love you well. Oh, can I talk right now? How many of you know those relationships that you got into? Some of you got into relationships. Others were pulled into it. Some of your relationships got into you. You were supposed to be a prayer partner. But from prayer partnership, other forms of partnership entered. Now you are partakers of a koinonia. Communion, intimacy, and fellowship. <laughs> Are you seeing what I'm saying now? But all of a sudden, feelings were catching you. You're like, I'm not catching feelings because feelings caught you. But you got into the relationship and after the first, maybe like three months or four months, when the butterflies had calmed down, the moths had taken over. And I said, there are butterflies in my belly. That's my friend, Pastor Simatin, sang the song, Evergreen song, right? But after a while, the butterflies calm down, the moths take over. Hopefully not the fly making you sleep on the relationship. <laughs> right? And Cooper, you began, no, 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 you Cooper. <laughs> And somebody, you know, began, began to say, ah, he's a lovely guy, but he doesn't love me like I like to be loved. Because there is a coding, there is a codification of your love language in you that God puts there from eternity's past. And so anybody who comes into your life does not necessarily come with the complete access codes. Because if they have the complete access codes, then they will not need to fellowship with you to get the final numbers to unlock what God locked in you before you were formed. In other words, it's going to be a unidirectional love language. And whenever love is entirely unidirectional, its purpose is not complete. So a time-bound man cannot love like the God of eternity. Oh, are you here, somebody? Say, I was made in love. Everything that God created, every human life, animal life, marine life, the clouds, these were expressions of his love. And now many of you used to do a lot of painting. I used to do a lot of painting when I was a lot younger. A lot of drawing and sketching and doodling and painting. Got into a few competitions and all of that. Who used to paint? You paint landscapes, the greenery and all of the Raise, raise, raise. Yeah, that's, that's that King's Painters Club. Like, right? Or who used to craft things or mold. I also did some kind of pottery and working with clay and mold. Anybody like that? What were you guys doing when you were children? <laughs> You're thinking... <laughs> sand castles now, now as a little child when you're making the sand castle are you making the sand castle to break it down why are you doing it curiosity 
creativity. Talk to me, somebody. Give me more. To enjoy it. When you were given a doll as a child, when you're given a, a doll baby, as some people call it, as a child, and you plaited the hair of the doll baby, Right? When you were taking, or you were you know, face painting the doll or something like that, you were doing it out of love, right? How many of you spoke to dolls? Dolls. <laughs> I hope as an adult you don't have a doll in your house right now. Especially that other kind of doll. The only doll you should be looking for now is dollars. And dollapo. Right? Now, when you were speaking to the doll, could the doll respond? Could the doll reciprocate? When God is lavishing his love on you, he knows that in your humanity you cannot respond, you cannot reciprocate, but the same way you kept making the doll look better, even though the doll could never appreciate you for the artistry you put into weaving its hair, God says, I can love you more than you can resist me. I can love you more than you can hate me. I can love you more than you can underappreciate me. I didn't start loving you when you got saved. I started loving you the first time I conceived you as a thought in my mind I didn't fall in love with you I had you in my love are you understanding that it was not love at first sight it was love at first thought oh, can I talk right now look at your name and tell the person I'm loved by God it was not based on the shape of my body Many men are visually stimulated. All the men say yes. Only three honest men in here. Some people don't know what visual stimulation is. In other words, when we see, we like what we see when we see what we like. Have I got a witness with a man right now? <laughs> hey, Yaba. Allah goes. That's why Job said, I've made a covenant with my eye. Why should I meditate upon the shape of a girl? <laughs> Someone's like, okay, I'm not Jobo. No covenant here. I didn't even go to Covenant University. <laughs> the meditation. Yeah, that's the word behold, which means to intentionally focus on. Because Job was not saying, if I see a girl, I'll be like, no, if you're a girl, come, would you come? Like, Job was not saying, Job was not saying, if a girl wants to talk to you, so Cooper is my secretary or something, say, a girl wants to see you, or somebody wants to see you, just, hello, she wants to see, huh? okay, um, hello, pastor, someone wants to see it. Ah, someone care. Hey, is he a man or a woman? A woman. Please, I need a scarf. Scarf, scarf, pashmina, something like that. Whatever it is. Yeah. Anybody with, with a clean one? Yes, thank you very much. Let her come in. 
Go on. Uh huh. Hello, Pastor. Hello, sir. Finish your talk quickly. How are you, sir? I don't used to see women. Hurry up. How are you doing? That's not what Job was talking about. Because <laughs> some folks are so extreme, they've been doing social distancing before COVID. Because God does not start on the outside. He starts on the inside. It's possible not to hug a woman, yet you are the greatest fornicator in your thoughts. Yes. Can I talk right now? It's possible not for you to be in contact with the opposite gender, but yet when life is hard on you, Oh yeah. Somebody say I was made in love. Say I was made in love. And God started with his thoughts. He started thinking about you before your first Bible, your first church gathering, before you responded to his love. You were made in that love. And watch what that means is that your life is a manifest expression through which God wants to pour his love. So not only were you made in love, number two, you were made for love. You were made for love. What does that mean? God sees you as the object of his affection. When God looks at you, he's saying, how else can I do you good? How else can I lavish my love on you? How much more can I pour on you? Can somebody give me real quick Psalm 145 and verse 8. Psalm 145 and verse 8. Made for love. Made in love. <laughs> made for love. I want us to read a couple of things there. Or in a couple of uh, tr versions, translations. Psalms 145. L-O-V-E. Look at what it says here. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of what? Compassion. Slow to anger and great in mercy. Now, how many of us grew up in churches that convinced us that God was always angry? Oh, come on. Okay, maybe not 100%, maybe 70%. That when you approach him, uh -huh, what, what have I to do with you? The idea that you have to come in your conscious acknowledgement of him with trepidation. That was what we were sold. That God is this angry person. Just a grumpy old man with a long beard with no baba good enough to trim it for him. Wearing white clothes that may have been soiled with the sinfulness of the human nature. And sitting in a faraway throne because he wants to be isolated and disconnected from every other person. That is not your good. That is, that is not your God. That may be Shongo or Amadia or Ogu that does not want intimacy, fellowship and koinonia. But if you know that you serve of God that enjoys you, that enjoys you, that loves you, that enjoys talking to you, chatting with you, communicating with you. I want to look for two people and tell them I'm loved by God. I'm, I'm loved. I'm loved. 
Let's look at a few translations of this. How does the Amplified or the Good News translation put it? It says, Good News says, the Lord is loving and merciful. Slow to become angry. It does not say God doesn't get angry. But it's very slow to get to anger. If anger is there before God gets there, in the manner of speaking, metaphoric presentation, imperfect allegorical illustration, God is like, how many remember those wrestling matches at, at home when you were a little child and you wrestle your neighbor or your friend or your brother or your sister? And then you had an umpire that when you pin the person to the floor, they're supposed to count down from 10, right? 10, do you remember? Is it three? Okay. When I was growing up, I remember 10. <laughs> so let's use three. So three, that's three, two, one, right? When the guy is pinned down. But when God is doing his count because he's full of grace and compassion and slow to anger, when you're down against the count and it starts from three, it's going to be like three, two, two point nine 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 two point nine 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 eight 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 two point Because he's not going to run the counts down until somehow you are able to pick yourself up. Because the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, how is he going to rise? How is he going to rise? He's going to rise again. Why? Because the Lord is full of compassion. Good news translation says that he's full of constant love. He's slow to become angry and he is full of constant love. Verse 9 in the good news translation, he says he is good to everyone. Good to everyone and has compassion on all he made. Because some people have the idea, God only loves Christians. He hates Muslims. He hates Buddhists. He hates Shangois. He hates Abatalais. He hates this one. No. God loves everyone that he has made. Now, some of us be like, eh. So if God loves everyone, there's nothing special about me. That's not true. Because the way God loves you personally is special. Oh, yeah. How many of you, I remember, uh, uh, there was a screenshot I saw in the course of the week where a lady was chatting with her husband and said, hello, babe, or hello, honey, or something, sweet name, pet name, and says, do you actually love me or do you really love me? Now, by the way, if you are married, if you're a married man, you know your wife has asked you that before. If you've been in a serious relationship, you know your wife, your to-be, your fiancé, give me witnesses, am I, am I, am I right? Married man? Do you know what the guy wrote? Some people cannot relate. Receive the wisdom and the <laughs> blessings and the progress and the process to relate. In Jesus' name. Amen. The guy replied with what a typical man is going to reply with. Put in uppercase, I married you. Plenty exclamation marks. In other words, what do you mean? How can you be asking me five years into marriage, nine years into marriage, all the married men can relate, right? Do you, just once in a while, just throw that question. 
Elty, really? <laughs> like my love for you is so public. Now, guess what? The lady replied the way many ladies will reply either in their minds or in expression. She said, I'm not just talking about whether you married me. I'm saying, do you really love me, love me, or just love me as a friend that you married? <laughs> now, to most men, the highest expression of love is that I married you. Not all. Some people don't know what they're doing. They're quite confused. So they marry someone, and then they have a best friend somewhere. Right? They have their wife. You say, you, you're my wife. You know you're my wife. But, you know, you're my wife. But I have an assistant. <laughs> love. So there are those of us who say, well, uh, there's the love as a friend. And many ladies here might be able to identify with it. That there is a guy that you are having feelings for or thoughts about. Or you're not really like sort of trying to get to his website if I'm to say this. But he's a pop-up on your screen. Oh, can I talk about that? You're not trying to think about him. But almost everything is triggering your memories of him. I like the way all the ladies are looking straight. As if that's never happened to them. Or it's not happening even right now. With somebody inside these same kings where we are all lifting. Oh, can I help somebody? You're not really trying hard. But there's something about you, something about you. I, I, I feel was that by Travis Green or something <laughs> and what you're looking for you're looking for that kind of special intimate love which God has for you, which is what makes you special. So if you've had children before or you have children, you know that you love all your children, but the love expression or the love language with each child differs. So God loves every believer. And the way you are going to walk with that believer or walk as a believer and enjoy the love of God is your response to the special expression of God's love for you. Place your hand on your throbbing heart. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Amplify classic, give me verse 8 first. Verse 8, Psalm 145. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in mercy and loving kindness. It's amazing, watch this, that there are five positive attributes here. But in many places where we're raised, only one of them, only one, the anger one, is the one that they preach about. God is angry with you. All you ladies, they'll be wearing trousers. Did Sister Mary wear trousers? Did Esther wear trousers? Ah, fire is coming. I see the fire coming. All of you that are dyeing your hair, hair that God made for you, ah, 
if you can make one strand of hair, I permit you to dye it. But when you are dying, it sounds like die. You have started to die as you are dying. Just to be sure, I'm, I'm not a big fan of dying. I'm not the biggest fan of dying. But I don't have a problem with you because God doesn't have a problem with you. It is acting beyond the spiritual curriculum to carry a matter on your head that your Savior has put under his feet. And, and can I, and can I just even, can I just, if you, if you went to Unilag, there was a, a babbin salon called Next. Anybody know Next? Then anyway, you remember there was, there was one guy in, I think, what was that, Makama, is it Makama? Femi that used to cut. Who, who knew Femi? Oh my God, so you, knew, you knew Femi? Not your Femi, the Femi that used to cut. You know him. Femi was so great in his artistry that you have a queue of like 20 or more people waiting for him to cut. This guy didn't even listen to Occupy, but it was already Occupy with his Baba's clippers. But guess what? Back then and next, they used to friction your hair like they used a T-square. Like French curves. Every hair strand was pristine. And then they had some add-on services. Are you following this? Some add-on services. Like they could texturize your hair until it sticks to your skin and scalp and you become a wonder in your world. <laughs> then they now introduce dyeing. Black dye. Solid. And some of us overdid it. You know, because after spending at the time, maybe 500,000, 500, I think, I think, you know, multiple amounts of money now, maybe 500 or 1,000 naira, right? Guess what? You are like, everybody must see that I'm carrying die. It's like in secondary school when people used to blue their shirts. Who remembers Robin Blue? We said blue the shirt, we didn't say dye it. Tie and die. Some people can relate. Robin Blue, it was some kind of blue powder. <laughs> that you put <laughs> oh lord that <laughs> you're supposed to put it just a little bit in the water then you you know dissolve it properly then you put your white shirt inside and then you bring it out then you starch it like your mobile cutlery, you're so sharp. You're a knife on the move. <laughs> right? So, but watch this. The dye thing was so attractive, right? And at some point, I used to dye my hair. Some of you don't even know. At some point, I used to curl my hair. Oh, yeah, at some point. Curl, dye my hair and all of that. So the issue is not, is somebody dying? I have dyed my hair black before. So why will I judge someone that is dying their own blue? All dying now. But, but, as a, let me, I'm just saying, but as your preacher and your teacher, 
I'll let you know something. Whenever you make decisions, also think about the context in which you're operating. So it may not be against the Bible or the will of God, or you might not lose grip on the power of the blood, like the blood, ah, I didn't die for, died here. No, you're covered, right? Right, but you want to think about where you're operating. So you're a lady, you plot, a guy, you plait your hair. Well, you might be unwittingly saying no to certain opportunities in the context where you are living. Oh yeah, can, can I put that balance in there? Anger. The, what's going on there? Oh, I, I guess. <laughs> Someone said, discovered, discovered. No, but you know, as your teacher and your preacher and your prophet, I need to show you everything. Is that good enough? Thank you. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is gracious. To extend grace means to be slow to cruelty or wickedness or insensitivity. In fact, it goes beyond that. It actually means to be quick to release the good things, to unleash the good things. So when God sees anything, the first thought in his mind is not how to destroy it. The first thought in his mind is how to improve it. He sees Adam and says, it's not good. Let me improve him. So marriage should be an improvement on your life. Are you seeing that now? This is the reason you have no business settling down. It was not really my spec. I don't even use spectacles. Right? But I just settled. For what? You rise up to the promises of God. Not settle down to what's available by men. Are you seeing that now? And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about moral excellence and character, spirituality, the value systems of the kingdom. Why? Because money can come like this and go like, but when kingdom values are in place, then guess what happens? You are a part of the, part of the economic expansion program of heaven. So even if the person doesn't have it right, you are hardwired with the love of God to be able to create economic expansion through agreement and diligence. Dice. Are you seeing that now? Then he said, God is full of compassion. Some of us in our dealings with men, we have dealt with some men and women who, you know, our carnal nature wanted to come out and he wanted to say, that man is full of the S word. What did you mean by that when you were provoked? Because everything that was coming out of him, yeah, yeah, they smell. Like the S word, right? Everything was stinking, thinking. Yeah, like he's full of that. And when you apply a bit of pressure on something, what comes out of it is what it's full of. So he's saying that when you come to God and you touch him, when it's full of compassion, what do you come in touch with? Shout it louder. What do you come? What is compassion from compass? Compass. Which speaks about the route, the pattern, the journey. So when God looks at Fidel, and Fidel does some things, that in my humanity, I'm like, God, 
How can Fidel do that? I have the ark. God has the compass. Some of y'all didn't get to that. The compass goes beyond the ark or the radius or a little portion. In other words, God knows why Fidel failed in that area. Because his love is all income. Are you seeing that, Henry? Is that Henry? Are you seeing that? So you are, you are livid. You are angry. You, you feel all of that. And God is even commending Fidel because he knows that Fidel resisted the infirmities of his fallen nature to even just fall a little bit short than my own standards for him. <laughs> Do you see why God is slow to anger? Because the more encompassing you are, the slower you are in getting angry. Because you have more understanding with more exposure based on the encompassing love of God. Are you seeing this now? Oh, we're getting deeper. He said, as full of compassion. It's not to condone bad behavior. But it's to create an atmosphere that is compelling enough even for a prostitute to come close. The sinner in our text was such a sinner. She had the reputation of a sinner. If you look at Cooper, there are things you can use to describe him. Diligence. Punctuality is punctual, consistent. Plays the keys. Those are attributes. If you look at Tinu, say exuberant, passionate, talented, and all of that. Right? Look at Vicky, prophetic, oil. You look at this woman. Sinner. Prostitute. Prostitute. But there must have been something about the physical mean and courage of Jesus and the aura of Jesus. That when she heard Jesus was in town, she did not run away. She, she said, I have to see him. Because compassion is compelling. There is no way we're going to fulfill our mission without really loving God and loving people. And that love cannot be a technical theological postulation. It has to be an embodied reality that provides the compass that is able to bear the different variations, flavors, and colors, and expressions of human failure and human weaknesses. And still says that the power of God is potent enough to attract you, but not leave you the way you came. Somebody shout compassion. To feel for somebody. To be concerned about their weaknesses. You may be seated. And because in certain areas, the devil has certain perspectives about God more than men have about God. Some men have about God. He's known him from the time he was created. Now we know that Lucifer was not there at the beginning. He was created. Only God was in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God created. Right? So Lucifer was not there. But Lucifer has been with God or has seen God or known parts of God longer than most men. So when you fall and you fail and you miss the mark, guess what happens? The enemy says, you see, you're messed up. You, you, you see, this thing is not for people like you. Pretend that, pretend that, pretend that, pretend that. Pretend that, pretend that, pretend. I will not fall. Are you seeing that now? 
He knows that God has a redemptive plan. But the enemy wants to corrupt your heart with guilt, with shame, with depression. So that you never enjoy the fullness. Somebody say, God loves me. Shouted with meaning from the depths of your heart. Oh, some of you didn't shout it. I wanted to really shout aloud. Now say this way, I'm loved by God. Feel your heart pumping. Feel your heart pumping. That's a sign that God is not through with you. God is not done with you. You may have mixed the mark here, there, and everywhere. But there is something that God still has on his mind. Shout, I'm loved by God. Jesus, the Bible says, in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, if you want to know what God thinks about you, look at what Jesus has done for you. Jesus is the exact representation. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that. He is the exact outline. He is the full definition. The comprehensive articulation of the intentions and the expressions of God. So when you look at Jesus, you are literally seeing how God deals with you. How God relates with you. How God, he says the son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says. Powerful words. After he finished the sacrifice for sins, the son took his honored place high in the heavens right alongside God. In our text, we see Jesus. Now watch this. Jesus is not the one in this text, particular text, running after people. But Jesus is the one that is being run to by people and being run to by the worst of people. So we see that Simon in this text was a tax collector. Simon was a possibly a greedy person. The tax collectors had a reputation for greed or of greed. Because they were working for Rome. They were appointed by Rome to tax the Jews. And what they would do is that sometimes they would add on. Does that remind you of certain people in a certain country? People that put a cream on top. Extra cream, even though it's not hamatan. Say, ha, ma, hamatan. Right? They pad the budget. Inflated. So Simon had a reputation as a tax collector. Somebody say, I hear it, I hear it. Yet when he invites Jesus to dinner, Jesus does not say, I don't roll with guys like you. Eh? <laughs> me, <laughs> me, royal highness. <laughs> me, <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying. He he does not come with this cocky predisposition, but he goes to eat with the tax collector. Please understand, this is not just about grace; it's also compassion. Jesus knew that there was something about this tax collector that possibly wanted to feel better. Wanted, he wanted to feel better about himself. So Jesus even knew that there was a possibility that he was a prop. Social accessory. This guy is doing it for the optics. There's a possibility people are going to think, I am endorsing his lifestyle. Are you seeing this now? But Jesus is saying, I'm willing to look like a prop just to let you know that you're God's prop, RT. 
The wisdom in the story does not start with the prostitutes. It starts with a tax collector. It starts with a manipulative person. He's a tax, tax collector, tax collector taxing people, and yet he's serving Jesus food, and Jesus is eating. Look at somebody. Say, God is full of love. Some of you said it, you didn't look. Some of you looked, you didn't see. Maybe you are stunned by the love of God. But look at somebody and say, Jesus is full of love. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is full of love. Steve, look at somebody. Daniel, look at somebody. Say, Jesus is full of love. And that love is so magnetic. And that love is so compelling. And that love is so powerful. And that love is all encompassing. It's big enough for John the Baptist. But it's also big enough for Mary the prostitute. All encompassing. Big enough for the teachers of the law, but big enough for the preachers of grace. All encompassing. Big enough for bigger women and big enough for small men. All encompassing. Big enough for Lagos, Nigeria and big enough for Lekki, Nigeria. All encompassing. The love of God. This is full of compassion. And it says, it's slow to anger. And the next thing it says, it says, abounding in mercy. Abounding in mercy. Mercy means withholding judgment. Four concepts around love. Love has justice. Justice gives you what you deserve, what you should get, what should come to you. Justice. Number two, love has grace. In other words, it gives you what you don't deserve. It gives you more than you deserve. You don't deserve certain things, but it gives it to you. As a matter of fact, your vessel is too small and too fragile to host God. But by the grace of God, you are washed, blood bought, blood washed and redeemed and reconfigured in your spirit man to be able to host the very presence of God. That's a work of grace. Salvation, all your good works times, all more times one billion will not scratch the morality of God. Grace, give it to you. That's grace. Somebody shout, that's grace. Grace saved you. Grace brought you up. Grace gave you access to the anointing. Grace put the gifts of God on the inside of you. The charismata, the grace of God, the abilities of the spirit of God. Repose, that was the work of grace. But God, love doesn't stop with justice and grace. It also moves to mercy. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve. So justice gives you what you deserve. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy withholds what you actually deserve. The judgment you deserve. The punishment you deserve. What should have come to you? Come on somebody. And the second service will touch on some things about love. Love is crisp. Somebody say love is crisp. We'll talk about it in the second service. So see that abounding in mercy. Simon, I sat with you. Not because I don't know all the Torah to judge you with. The Torah was the Old Testament religious book that the Pharisees and Sadducees held unto the writings of the law. So I, I know the Torah. I can judge you. 
Thou shall not covet your neighbor's property. Thou shall not steal. <laughs> Could judge you. Thou shall serve no other God but your God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. But tax collectors had made money their God. He says, but I'm sitting to eat meat with you. Is somebody here right now? Sitting to eat meat with you. But here comes this prostitute girl. Here comes this, this girl, this Ashawa girl. Asanwa. Here comes the street girl, roadside girl, Allen Avenue girl. Here comes this, and by the way now they've, you know, polished it. So they don't stand by the road any longer, they stand by the DM. Oh. Okay, can I, can I talk? Oh, can I talk right now? Help me, I'm about to close. Can I talk right now? See, they, they, they look like they're not what they're doing. But some of them gone extreme with what they're doing. Invest more in the front and the back than they do in the kingdom. Overflowing compounding different things here, there, and everywhere. Here comes this girl with a bad reputation. She is coming to do all the things, watch this, all the things that she knows to do to express connectivity and love. But Simon is seated and judging somebody. And you remember that quote, don't judge somebody just because they sin differently from you. Simon, I am seated here because I had mercy on you. And here comes somebody else with issues that are more conspicuous than yours. And you have the guts to condemn. Oh, can I talk right now? Look at somebody say, we all got issues. Shout aloud and say, we all got issues. There might be differences in shades and tones and hues and visibility and invisibility or levels of maturity in sorting them out, responsibility, spiritual revelation and knowledge and presenting them to God, drawing strength from the power of the Holy Spirit to handle your... But every human being was born fragmented. But it so happened that certain parts of the human construct were fragmented more than others. You know how it is that a, a, a bottle or a cup, a glass device can smash, right? And there are parts of the glass that didn't really break so much but there are other parts that were splintered and shattered God showed me one day he said there are some people that the fall of Adam had a deeper impact on them and the outworking of their DNA and their culture and the transcendence are you getting this now so just the fact that you're still a part of the bottom part of the cup that did not completely squash and smash does not mean we can't see a fissure somewhere around and this is one of the reasons many believers don't win souls for Christ because we are too busy enjoying selfishly the grace of God upon our own soul that we're not going beyond what we perceive to be limitations to go on a quest for other souls. Please have a look for two or three people. Tell that person, look out for the prostitute and don't judge her. Look out for the dirty girl and don't judge her. Look out for the broken heart and don't, I didn't say just sit where you are. Help me get out of your seat and say, don't judge her. 
her. She may have issues. She may be broken. She may be battered. But she's still loved by God. Just the same way God loves you, God loves her. Just the same way God has a plan for you, God has a plan for her. Just the same way. Some of us, we don't appear cracked because we grew up in homes where our parents were not part of the cracks of Adam. But in spite of their own cracks, they took material from the word of God to help us. But you know that sometimes when a glass is cracked and you leave it just by itself, the crack can grow more. Have you been driving before on a major highway, freeway with some pebbles on the road? And a car in front of you uh, ricocheted a stone and all of a sudden hit your glass and it left just a mark in it. And in your mind, you're like, eh, just a mark. You're upset, but just a mark. But you did not treat it or trap it. And so three or four days later, because you're in the tropic area where there's constant expansion based on the enthalpic power of energy, right? All of that, boom, you began to see the crack. This is the reason when you come into Christ, God does not fix the crack. He changes the entire thing. Very man be in Christ. He's not a revamped windshield. He's not a reconstructed portrait, piece of pottery. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. So the question is not how broken were you before you became new. The question is now that you are new, learn the culture of your new life. Because all of us were broken. If there's a damaged good on a rack in a shopping place, if it's damaged, it's damaged. If it's broken, it's broken. If it's messed up, it's messed up. Simon, you are so messed up that I can see how messed up you are by how you respond to somebody else's mess. Oh, somebody did not hear how powerful that was. Because sometimes you think you're the meekest and the humblest and Christ-like until you see somebody who's so not like Christ trying to get to Christ. And because their approach is imperfect, does not mean their motive is wrong. My approach might be wrong, but it doesn't mean my motive is evil. I'm just trying to get to Jesus. I don't know how to get to men than this way I'm coming. This is the way I know how to show men I'm there for them. Oh, come on, somebody. This is the way I show love in my world. When I show love to all those men, I, I fall on them. This is the old way. Do you remember Ruth and Boaz? He said that Boaz will cover you with his skirts as a sign of acceptance. So this woman was trying the best she could. And Jesus said, if any man comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. My love is broad enough to embrace the biggest mess. It is clean enough to purify the most spongy of the pungiest smell. I can deodorize fragrance. I can clean you up if you come there is room at the cross for everyone who comes come limping but come anyway come broken
hearken, but come and we come crying like a prostitute, but come and we come lying down, but come and we come rolling on the floor, but come and we come with all our eyes with daggers flying out of their religious eyes, but come anyway, come anyway. Some of you are looking like you didn't come at some point. You came to the cross at some point. You you came out of a broken home at some point. You came out of experimenting with weed at some point. You came out of cocaine at some point. Meth for some of you. Tramadol at some point. You came out of the bed of fornication. How come some of you are still sitting down? Who was that person who came? You came imperfectly. You came not knowing whether you'll be accepted or not. You came with a bag of issues. You came with struggles. You came with pornography. You came with masturbation. You came with smoking weed, clubbing, here, there, and everywhere. You came with your sending nudes. Saturday night on Sunday morning, you still came. Come as you are. Oh, Yabahasa. The compelling love of God. Let her come. Simon is so twisted in his mess. Talks. He is judging somebody else. Judging somebody else. Simon, she sins with men, you sin with money. She sins with her body, you sin with your soul. I made provision for that too. In the second service, I'll talk more about the different things this woman was doing. And standing there. That was the way she knew to come. That was the way she knew to come. And she came to Jesus. And watch this. Jesus said, I love her too. I love her too. I love her too. One day we're going to do an outreach or, or a message, maybe in Lekki or some, somewhere outdoor. That said, Jesus loves prostitutes. You see, your religious mind is even struggling to say yes. Jesus loves prostitutes. He does not love their prostitution. And the reason he does not love their prostitution is not because he's just hateful. It's because their prostitution destroys them. The reason God does not love sin is that sin destroys the one he loves. So if you're going through your house and somehow you just said, Prah, your shirt was ripped by a little piece of nail that was jutting out of your wardrobe or your door. Say, I hate this door. Or I hate this nail. Why? It destroyed something that you love. Are you getting this now? And Jesus said, He that forgives much, loves much. Five, you were owing five. She was owing 50 in the parable. Five denarii, 50 denarii. You were a debtor anyway. Whether you're owing the bank 5 million or 50 million, you're in debt. And you know, you just can't say anybody's just 5 million. They can still come after you. Jesus said, I'm coming after you not to destroy you, 
coming after you to redeem and restore you. So the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That means that the objection or the, rather the objective of the believer is to meditate on that love. So number one, you were made in love. Number two, you were made for love. Number three, you were made to love. Why? Out of the abundance of the heart. What happens? So if the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, what is abounding in your heart? Love. So what should your mouth speak? That's why it says speak the truth in love. Love. Slow to anger. Some of you say, ah, ah, anger is in my family. Anger. You got it. You say, I got it from my dad. You got it from Adam. So you don't need your dad to die for the anger to die. The last Adam has already died. So anger has already died in him. Are you getting that now? If you're full of compassion, compass, remember the example? Compass. You can see it from different angles. So you are slow to be angry. It says full of compassion, therefore he's slow to anger. So if you're quick to anger, that means you're oftentimes narrow-minded. Short-sighted. You don't have a large compass. That's why you're always agitated, always angry. The issue is not what happened. The issue is your perspective of it. You have not been schooled to recognize the good that God can bring out of evil. Please understand this. Good predates evil. Therefore, even evil works for good. The devil is not smart enough to do anything evil that God has not embedded the seed of goodness inside. <laughs> the devil is a renegade volunteer in the organization of God. Everything that is doing against you is working for you. So when you know that, even those that hurt you, plagued you, attacked you, offended you, they are volunteers in the victory vehicle of Christ concerning your life. And we know that all things... Simon, this prostitute is working for you. Do you know how I know? The Bible says that anywhere the gospel is preached, the woman, the story of this woman will be there. In other words, Simon, you don't understand that the reason your name will be in the Bible is because of this prostitute you wanted to send out of the way. She is the lead cast. The leading star in the story. You are Wakapas. The reason Simon is in the Bible is because of the prostitute. So when you push the prostitute away, sometimes you are diminishing your ministry. As we go into the series, it's going to be deep, it's going to be rich. We have to start from the premise of God, I'm loved by you. Loved by you. Loved by you. Shabbatis. Can you embrace that love? Can you breathe in that love? Oh, <laughs> 
loves Ashawa money collectors. He loves Simon. He loves the prostitute. He loves men. He loves women. He loves men with prominent position. He loves women with the wrong disposition.
angels will never go on strike. And the Lord will never turn his heart from you. In the second service, we'll look at six things about the love of God. And one of them is that the love of God is redemptive. If there is anybody here today, maybe you've never heard the love of God preached this way before. Or maybe you grew up in a church where it was always about judgment and condemnation and guilt. And doubt it not, there is the justice of God. There is also the anger of God, but God is slow to anger. And he has put the anger against sin upon Jesus on the cross. He said that his anger is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime, lifetime. And you want to enter into the conscious connection with that favor today. By faith, wherever you are, please, please your hand on your chest place your hand on your chest you've never received the life of Jesus you've never accepted the finished work of the Meshach he loves you so much he wants to draw you maybe you feel like you are like that prostitute not necessarily with your body but you've been prostituting your gifts your your attention your time and your energy place your hand on your chest right now Father, we ask right now, flood every heart with a full revelation of Jesus the Christ. Everybody, place your hands on your chest. Say, I'm loved by God. Woo! Breathe in, breathe out. Say, I'm loved by God. the service we are steeped in your love we are soaked in your love we are transformed by your love and we reach out to souls to bring them into the experience of your love in Jesus name we have prayed somebody can you respond with love respond with love generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.